Welcome to the Korea Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Chung Min Kim, the Editorial Director of Korea Pro. And I'm John Lee, the Editor of Korea Pro. Join us for a weekly 15-minute conversation as we dive into the most pressing stories shaping South Korea and dissect the most complicated ones for you. From politics to culture, technology to society, we've got you covered. So stay ahead of the curve and never be sidelined again. So get ready for a fresh perspective on South Korea's news. This is the Korea Pro Podcast. Interesting week. A lot of domestic news this week, but also we are going to touch on a few U.S.-related news. Let's start with Lee Junseok. Oh, again, my favorite person in the world. <laughs> he says that sarcastically. Well, what did he say? Well, he delivered an address uh, a few days ago. He said that his party pledges to mandate uh, f- female military conscription, provided that those are the women who want to seek public civil service jobs, uh, say for, the police, for police, firefighters, right. corrections officers. Uh, that kind marine of thing. police as well, and correction yes. officer, um, so on and so forth. And this is the guy who just created a new party after quitting Conservative Party. Party, uh, which he led, by the way, Briefly. when when Yoon Seok-yeol was um, campaigning for presidency, right? He was kicked up for allegations of sexual misconduct. Right, no irony there. <laughs> uh, and at the time, he got a lot of... He was very popular among young male voters here. Uh, for example, with his policy directions that he suggested, such as getting rid of the gender ministry, which, by the way, is still here. But what do you think? Is this feasible? The whole, if you want to be a public servant, even women have to go to military service sort of thing. I'm not going to debate the arguments or the merits of it, but mm. whether it is feasible, no. Mm. In order for this to pass, he will need support from both major parties, the ruling People Power Party and the main opposition Democratic Party. And yeah, maybe there might be some people in the PPP who might support this, but nowhere near enough votes for this. This is just a political stunt. So why why wouldn't there be any real discussion about this in the parliament if he brings this topic up? Because it is a big problem right now, the declining number of... It goes back to elections. Mm. Parliamentary elections are coming up and we have to remember when Yoon was elected into office he won with a razor-thin margin and everyone knows that one of the reasons why he got that razor-thin margin was because of those young male voter support. And he knows that that's his market. Mm. That's who he speaks to. And so when he says that I'm going to pass this sort of uh, legislation, even if he knows that he won't get it, Mm. he knows that he will be able to erode the PPP support base. And if he does that, yeah, he might not win, but he can pretty much uh, be certain that his former party will not win either. Right. So are you saying that he knows that this is impossible, not going to happen, but he is still doing this for election purposes? In short, this is just bovine excrement. He knows that it's not going to work. Well, you you mentioned taking away votes from the People Power Party. What's the approval rate like right now between the PPP and the DP? The numbers are always fluctuating, but the most Very recent numbers though, said right? that, that, yes, the ruling party is ahead of the Democratic Party, but only by 1%. It's by 36 to 35% currently. Mm. And that can change. And that will change significantly depending on the president's approval ratings, which is at 31%. Mm. Not a very popular guy. Right, just back to the topic like you often say, uh, ruffled some feathers in South Korea, especially a very divided society, especially uh, young 
voters just quickly why is this military conscription issue just, just such a big deal whenever there are elections even when there are not elections whenever it's brought up uh, just for listeners who are just not aware okay of- so the official answer is is that the constitution says that all able-bodied citizens must serve in the military mm. but that's what the constitution says the military service act says that this uh, mandatory conscription will only apply to men mm. women can serve but only on a voluntary basis and so this has been a contentious issue that a, a lot of eye rolling eye rolling <laughs> a lot of very sensitive young men who feel harshly treated by the justice system have taken issue with this and said to the government many times and taken this to the constitutional court several times oh we don't want to have to serve if women don't serve (laughs) and of course the constitutional court has ruled several times Mm. that no this law is constitutional Mm. as someone who did go to the military when was it from 2011 to 2013 when you hear each and saying something like this just as a citizen who's not an analyst what's Mm. your immediate response how do you feel did you serve in the military <laughs> well, no did, he did, did not <laughs> he did not well technically he went to what was the name of the um he was some sort of a technical assistant at some firm that uh, deals with software engineering or image software or whatever it was it's one of those programs that exists that uh, will help people instead of having to serve an active military service mm. but for him to make a big stink out of this when he himself never served All right, uh, let's move on to the second topic. Uh, U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, he said on Tuesday, the U.S. partnership with South Korea and Japan is quote-unquote vision for the world. Yeah, I don't know what that means. What what was the context of him saying this? Well, Jake Sullivan uh, has a very unfortunate job where he has to keep repeating phrases over and over again. I mean, it's better than hot mic incidents all sure. the time, right? It's, it's great that he has a very predictable job and predictability is key in foreign relations. Mm. And he often says things like ironclad alliance. And these are the things we want them to say. But this is a, a, a rather new phrase, a mm. vision for the world. Mm. But does it really mean anything? The underlying issues, and, there, and there's been a lot of photo ops over the past year where at Camp David taking pictures and holding right. hands and being very romantic with each other. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> uh, but if we actually look at the underlying issues, mm. the U.S. and South Korea are not members of the CPTPP. Mm. What's CPTPP again? Uh, the CPTPP is an international trade organization mm. uh, is very much like how there's NAFTA in the U.S. and it's uh, co- the chorus USFTA. Mm. Uh, but this one is international. It right. includes Japan, includes many countries in Southeast Asia like uh, Brunei and Malaysia. Uh, but this is a group that has tried to get all of these countries together to uh, reduce their trade barriers and to actually have consistent rules and regulations regarding trade. Mm. Uh, but the U.S. dropped out. Right. And the South Koreans never j- jumped in. Japan's the only one in who's, that's a member. Mm. The group that South Korea is a member of is IPEF, mm. the Indo-Pacific Economic Forum, which... Relatively new, but... It's just a name. Well, there are very fancy-sounding pillars. Um, four pillars, was it? Yeah, but they're really just names. They're right, fancy words and documents. There's nothing about... Um, tariffs there's nothing about taxes there's nothing about opening up markets it's just a fancy name so how does this explain jake sullivan saying vision for the world was this about trade well that's my point exactly when we talk about all of these different international organizations when we talk about different countries internal political dynamics when Mm. we talk about 
Trump's possible return in the U.S. Mm. or Kishida's. Who has been talking about, you know, how all the cars should be made in. Of course. And when we talk about how in South Korea, Yoon's approval ratings at 31%, Mm. uh, Fumio Kishida's approval ratings at, I believe, at 11%. Wow. With all of these things going on, how much of this is actually feasible? How much of this can last a long time? What happens if there's a progressive president next time here? That's the big question, isn't it? Uh, The the fear is. Is that Yoon's popularity is so low that by the time the next president comes in, everything that Yoon has touched will be associated with low popularity. Mm. And the next president, if he comes from the Democratic Party, will say, I'm going to stay away from that. And I'm going to just not perhaps align with China, but distance South Korea from the U.S. And that will have repercussions. I mean, we saw that back and forth in the past few administrations, really, right? So that's not really new. But what's new is Han Dong-hun, the new People Power Party interim leader, has got very, very popular in recent weeks. Now, just in this morning... Gallup poll numbers show that Lee Jae-myung, the Democratic Party leader, and Han Dong-un, they, they tied. They tied 26 to 26. Yeah. 2027 is a long time away. Mm. And the thing about Lee Jae-myung, the Democratic Party leader, is that, yes, he is a fighter, and he's been someone that the Democratic Party has had at the helm for the past two years now. But he is weighed down by controversies, by allegations of corruption, and... Even within his own party, he's not the most popular guy. What if he becomes a president? What would his foreign policy look like? By he, do you mean Lee Jae-myung or yeah. Han Dong-un? Yeah, Lee Jae-myung. If Lee Jae-myung becomes president, well, that's a big question because Lee Jae-myung has been, as the opposition leader, been mm. criticizing Yoon for his policy toward the U.S., being uh, very much aligning South Korea with the U.S. and accusing ignoring Yoon China. Accusing of being pro-Japan. And accusing Yoon of being pro-Japan. Now, if he were president, I'm sure that his policy toward Japan might change. Mm. But I'm not so sure that his policy toward the U.S. would be all that different. Because Yeah, I don't think it's going to change that much. He's a very pragmatic man. He has a lot of critics who mm. have said a lot of different things about him. But one thing that no one can say about him is that he is not pragmatic. He is one of the most practical people out there in politics. Right, he doesn't really believe in like decades-old ideology that much like compared to other progressive party leaders right. in the past right okay let's move on to the final topic um Itaewon Vito this was the biggest domestic news actually this and week. you're writing about this so maybe yes. you can tell us a bit more about that one Right. Uh, well, f- to start with what the gist of the bill is, I'm just going to touch on, you know, surface level information about this. If you want to know more, read my analysis. It's coming on Friday. Yes. The issue with this bill, it was um, it was revised once after the ruling party pushed back. But ultimately, the negotiated version of the bill passed only by the Democratic Party. It's a partisan bill because right. the PPP walked out. But that was also after the Speaker of the National Assembly tried to negotiate, who is, by the way, comes from the Democratic Party party tried to negotiate saying that okay we'll get rid of the special prosecution clause and let's push this implementation dates back so that we can do this after the election which to start with is a stupid idea because you're just taking away the spotlight of trying to bring justice to the victims sure and just really seeing this as a political issue right from the start right everything is political but since you mentioned that everything is political Mm. one of the arguments that were made to veto this bill uh, that was made by the prime minister was that it was unconstitutional. Mm. Can you explain to our listeners and to our readers what exactly it was that made it unconstitutional? Right. He, what he said was there are clauses that could potentially be 
unconstitutional, not that the entire bill was. Okay. And I do think that he has a point because the Democratic Party, even the revised bill, it shows that um, the special probe committee, investigation mm-hmm. committee, which is supposed to be independent per UN and other international organizations recommendation, the Democratic Party can suggest four people, the ruling party can suggest four people, and then the speaker gets to suggest three people. Okay, so why is it unconstitutional? First of all, uh, Prime Minister said that this is very prone to be not politically neutral. And then the power given to this potentially politicized committee is too big, that they can investigate even the cases that are already closed. Got it. So it's potentially Potentially. unconstitutional. Potentially unconstitutional. And also he added that um, because it's potentially unconstitutional and too much power given to this committee, it can potentially just really lead to waste of national budget and so on and so forth. But devil's advocate, the reason why the Democratic Party pushed for this sort of too much power sort of committee was because... The investigation wasn't really done in a thorough manner. Sure. And this was done in December, right? Mm. Of 2022. Right. And the logic of the veto included the unconstitutionality part and also how there already has been investigation. But I think the prime minister's point and the prime minister's office point was okay because, you know, he just basically talked about how it could lead to legal issues right right. but then the response from the people power party and the presidential office tone deaf yes because they could have just repeated what the prime minister said but what the people power party went for is that oh the investigation was already completed thoroughly i admit that it's been a while since i actually uh, read up into who was held responsible but wasn't it just a handful of police officers yeah police like like heads of police authorities right or some of the other people who were like 30 something staffers who were in charge of the case but no high level officials were ever held accountable including the minister interior minister right he still got his job right and like at least they could have apologized but they didn't even do that and they said it was thorough so that's that was a controversy but then the way in which it was handled especially after the victim families protest the optics was really bad and they were marching to the presidential office but they weren't just walking right right? how do you describe that uh i described it as while marching they had interspersed it with several repeated uh buddhist style prostrations Mm. it's a very uh age-old sort of uh protest right and to show the desperation the, the sentiment of desperation from the victim's family side, uh, which I should also mention, like a lot of uh, languages that the victim's family used was very limited to what the Democratic Party was already using. But right after the veto, uh, and this was interesting, the committee said that it's disappointing that the prime minister did offer alternatives like creating a a permanent uh, facility to mourn for the victims and provide reparation for the victim's families and more. But the victim's family's point was that it's it not insulting. A, it's not about really getting the money, mm-hmm. they said. It's really more about thorough investigation, independent investigation. And finding those who are responsible. Right. That's why they were protesting against the veto, but that the presidential office did not really respond to. Unlock the full Korea Pro experience by joining our community. Stay informed, stay ahead, and never miss a beat on Korean affairs that matter. Subscribe today and transform the way you understand Korea. Week ahead. 
It's been a while since we saw high-profile visit abroad. Our defense minister, Shin Won-shik, he is visiting three Middle Eastern countries for seven days, Qatar, UAE, and Saudi, mostly for the arms export uh, event and other sales diplomacy, and visiting South Korean army. Right. Uh, this is the same policies that his predecessor, Yi jong had pursued while he was uh, defense minister. Mm. And he's just doing the same thing right now. He's going to the Middle East and talking to his clients, I mm. suppose, to try to get them to buy up more Korean uh, weapons. What are some of the latest hot weapons that South Korea has been selling? Well, South Korea has, of course, been selling their artillery and they've been also selling anti-tank missiles. Uh, but they've also been trying to sell, uh, I'm not sure how successful they've been, mm. they've been trying to sell their surface-to-air missiles, the mm. Chungung-2 uh, mid-altitude missiles, I believe well, that's MCMs what they're called. Well, in the past, um, the, the Middle East sales, it was a big deal a few couple of years ago, but I'm, I believe that they wanted to also sell the more developing ones, the second generation one and also the longer range one which is also under development though right and that's because um as you know there's a lot of conflicts going on in the middle east especially within yemen as the houthi rebels uh, keep firing the missiles and i believe they almost uh, reached one of the u.s uh, ships uh, just recently mm. uh the, the, a lot of these Middle Eastern countries are going to want to arm themselves because these uh, Houthi rebels, uh, although I keep saying that they are rebels, mm. they're not some ragtag militia. They are very well funded and they're very well armed. Mm. And so South Korea is going over there to see who's ready to buy. And that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to know more, sign up for our daily executive briefings. We brief you on all you need to know from the past 24 hours and why they matter every morning in your inboxes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for your weekly dose of insight. And until next time, I'm Jungmin Kim. And I'm John Lee. Stay connected, stay informed, and we'll see you next time on the Great Pro Podcast.